Thank you for checking out Real Talk Personal Finance. Shit's about to get real. Cashflow King with you today. And in today's Get Your Money Right segment, Gut Beneficiaries? I think this is a really important topic and a very often overlooked area when it comes to personal finance. We spend a lot of time talking about accounts and account types and investments and what's better, you know, which investment should I choose and where does my money need to be allocated and which type of account should I have and do I do pre-tax or do I do Roth or do I do both and all this shit, right? And that's all important stuff. But also, we want to make sure that in the event we're no longer around, that our assets pass on according to the way we would like to see those assets pass on, even though we're technically, physically not here to see that happen, right? We want to know that we're taking proactive steps ahead of time to make sure that things flow the way that we would like to have them flow. And so I wanted to do a quick episode for this week's Get Your Money Right segment to just talk about this a little bit, talk about a few different types of accounts, and just highlight a quick example of, you know, some of the possible implications of making or not making certain decisions. So, For an action item, the first thing that I would ask you to do if you choose to would be to make a list of your financial accounts. Any financial asset that you have, just make a column and go ahead and list those down from top to bottom. And this, by the way, will come in handy for you later on in one of the upcoming Get Your Money Right segments for something else that we're going to do. But for now, list of accounts, list of financial assets in column one. And then in column two, you can make this as detailed or not as you want to. You want to check and see whether or not you have beneficiaries on file for each of these accounts. And it could be something as simple as yes, no, I do or I don't after you've gone through and verified that. Or if you wanted to make a more kind of robust little spreadsheet or list or whatever, you could actually put in however you have that, you know, whomever your beneficiaries are, whether they're individuals or organizations, charities, trusts, whatever. All right, so column one, step one, column one, list of financial assets. Step two, column two, whether or not you have a beneficiary named and any additional detail you want to provide. This, again, will come in handy for you later. Now, retirement accounts. Working in financial services and the retirement services space specifically, this is something that we see all the time, unfortunately, where people do not list or forget to list a beneficiary. And I think there's a few reasons for this. So when we're talking about this in the context of your workplace retirement plan, let's say you got a 401k at work, right? There's a lot of things going on, but chances are when you're onboarding to that new position, assuming you, you know, you're an employee, you work for somebody else, you are likely bombarded with a whole bunch of paperwork, different types of tax forms. How much, you know, what kind of withholding elections do you want to make? What do you want to do for your retirement plan? What do you want to do for your life insurance? What about your health insurance? And so on and so forth, right? So you're making a bunch of decisions at once. And it's very easy for things to get, you know, kind of commingled together or you forget to do something, but you thought you did, but you really put a beneficiary on your life insurance, but you didn't put it on your retirement plan. We see that all the time. Another reason might be, as we've talked about in other shows, Automatic enrollment is becoming more and more popular where you go to work for an employer, you're automatically enrolled into the plan. Every organization will set that up differently, but we see a lot of times where they will, on a payroll file, send over basic information, but they don't necessarily know or share or have any way to convey beneficiaries for those folks. So in general, if somebody does not name a beneficiary on the retirement plan, it's going to go to your estate, which is going to be subject to probate and probate court. And it gets really sticky in a hurry. Uh, I'm not going to go into the details on that, but depending on the state that you live in, it could be more or less of a pain in the ass. It's really not something that you want to have happen if you can help it. So 
the takeaway number one is going to be double check your beneficiaries on any and all accounts, but especially in this case with retirement plans to make sure you have them accurate and those folks that are listed and reflected are the ones that you want to have on there. You know, maybe you worked for an employer for 25 years and maybe you were married and then you got divorced and then maybe you got remarried, but you never thought to go back and double check your beneficiary election. Well, it's quite possible that your ex-spouse is on there. And I would venture to guess that's probably not what you want. And therefore, that's probably something you want to make sure you get updated. Right. And again, you may just forget to list somebody on there. So you just want to double check and make sure that you have your beneficiaries selected the way that you want to. In addition to making sure that you just have beneficiaries on file, you also want to be thinking about the ways that different classes of beneficiaries might be treated. And this is getting a little bit more advanced and for those folks that have sizable retirement accounts, chances are you already have an advisor or a team of advisors that you're working with. But just in case you don't want this to kind of fly under the radar, there are different classes of beneficiaries, especially after Secure Act back in 2019, Secure Act 2.0 in December of 2022. There were some things that have changed and some rules that have changed. So if you haven't revisited that already, you may want to take a second look at that just to see how that's going to be treated. So for example, and I'm sure anybody that has a trust, hopefully you didn't go on to LegalZoom and do it yourself. You actually met with an estate planning attorney that got that set up for you, some legal professional that actually got that set up for you. You know, what type of trust is it? Is it considered a see-through trust or not? There's all kinds of considerations there. Different trusts, if they're beneficiaries on retirement plans, will be treated differently. So you want to make sure you're having those conversations with your legal professional, with your financial professional, with your tax professional. And by the way, this is probably a good place to say and give our general disclaimer, which is this show is for education and entertainment only. We don't give any advice on the show. There's no financial tax, legal, or any other advice being given on the show. We're just telling you to take a look at your shit and consult professionals so that you can look at your own financial situation and get guidance on your specific with your own team of professionals, right? That we're not your professional. We're just telling you some things to be thinking about. So that's something that you're going to want to take into consideration. And again, there's different rules for different types of beneficiaries, especially again, in light of Secure Act 2.0, where generally speaking, spousal beneficiaries have much more favorable rules from an inheritance standpoint than say a non-spousal beneficiary, which can be different than certain types of trusts. In some cases, it could be the same. So you just want to double check all that and make sure you have things structured the way that you want them. Speaking of, this would be a good time to give you a quick example um, of a client I had several years ago. He worked in our healthcare area, and he was a single dude, no kids, never married, really nice guy, had a brother, had a sister. Brother was kind of one of those that liked to go out and spend money, and sister, he didn't really say all that much about her, but at the time, he had her listed as primary beneficiary at 100% of his account. And I remember meeting with him and he mentioned to me, you know, he, he went and met with his estate planning attorney and he put some stuff in the will. And I think he told me he was going to give his brother like $50,000, but that was it because he, that's all he thought that he could handle. And I was surprised and I mentioned to him, you know, about whether or not they had a conversation or he, maybe he would go back to his estate planning attorney and have a conversation about, is there another way to structure, for example, some type of a trust so that he could control and limit how his brother received funds if, in fact, he wanted his brother to receive more than just the 50000 that he put in his will. Maybe he wanted to give him a little bit more of his retirement plan, but he just wasn't all that sure about that. Well, long story short, if we fast forward, he never actually did that. 
And deep down, I think that that's probably what he wanted. He just never took the couple hours to go back and sit down with that attorney and figure out how that needs to be structured or whether or not that could be structured. And the guy retired. He had some really crazy health stuff going on and pretty much died right away. He was right around the age of 60. So the guy works his whole life, accumulates a bunch of money in his retirement plan, and then all of a sudden basically just drops dead. And this is over 900 grand. I think it was like $940,000, something like that. And the sister is still listed as primary beneficiary at 100%. So legally, we have to pay the death claim out to her. And again, deep down, I don't know that that's what the client wanted, but that's what was listed. So the reason I bring that up on today's podcast is just really think long and hard about how you want your assets to pass and whether or not that's accurately reflected in the designations that you have and the way that you've structured your affairs. And if there's some updates that are in order, please take the time to go ahead and do that. Unfortunately, there's nothing that we could do at this point. I can't step in and say, well, I think the client might have wanted to leave. You know, that, that's just not an option. So um, you know, kind of a sad story, but that's the way that things went down. I'm sure the sister was happy, but the brother, on the other hand, you know, he didn't get any of the retirement money. All right. Next, I want to talk for a couple minutes about bank and credit union accounts. And this is an interesting one because every institution handles this a little bit differently. So I've noticed that a lot of the, and this is a general statement, but in my personal experience, a lot of the credit unions seem to be a little bit behind on some of this stuff. Like I've had credit union accounts that I've opened before. They make it really easy to do it online. A lot of them, if you jump through a couple of hoops, will pay a very competitive interest rate, even on something like a checking account. But they don't necessarily think about things that we're talking about today, such as something as simple as beneficiary election, right? And so I remember in a couple of instances having to contact them, and they had to snail mail me some paperwork that I had to fill out and designate beneficiaries on those accounts. And a lot of times in the banking world, they'll refer to that as a POD, a payable on death beneficiary, or a TOD, transfer on death beneficiary. And they all kind of treat it a little bit differently. But in those instances on the credit union accounts, I had to go ahead and fill that out on paper. Some of these other accounts now, you can do some things online and they make it a little bit easier for you to do that. But again, they're all a little bit different. And I'll give you an example. So for those of you that are premium premium subscribers, you probably know about several of the accounts that we've suggested in the past that you might consider looking into, some different promotions that are going on, uh, specifically with the high yield savings accounts and who's offering what and that sort of thing. Well. In preparation for the show, I kind of dug around a little bit and looked at some beneficiary stuff for a couple of the accounts that we have. And one, I'm not going to name them, we'll just call them Bank A. One of them, under their managed beneficiary section, I'll read this to you guys, they only allow for certain things. So here's what it says. You may add up to six beneficiaries to each of your accounts to receive funds upon your death. You may only have a natural person, and then in parentheses, no trusts or businesses, as a beneficiary. Now, this, as they say, no trust, no businesses, but also there's no contingents available. And quite frankly, a lot of banking institutions will not allow for contingent beneficiaries on bank accounts. So on this account, we had to list individuals. On another account we have, same exact account type, same type of high yield savings. It's at a different institution and the registration on the account is the same. We were able to list a revocable trust as the beneficiary. Okay. So Another consideration, in addition to things like their website and their interest rate and their customer service and all that kind of shit is, depending on what your wishes are and how complicated or not your affairs are, will they allow you to name or list beneficiaries in the way that makes sense for you in the way that you want to, right? 
And you know, in some cases you may or may not care. Maybe there's not a lot of money in there or whatever the case might be. Uh, but some are more restrictive than others. So you want to know what your options are. But most importantly, you want to make sure that you have at least some beneficiary listed because a lot of them, a lot of times, will not automatically have that as part of the account opening process. They want your account open as quickly as possible. They want your money in that account as quickly as possible. They're not necessarily, and I'm not saying they're bad companies or anything, they're not necessarily looking out to make sure that you have your beneficiary named, right? So that's up to you as a responsible consumer, depositor, whatever you want to call it, to make sure that you have things structured the way that you want. Now, some of these organizations in general out there, right, and this is for any type of account, really, it's becoming more and more common to be able to view and update beneficiaries online, right? It saves them paper, it's faster, it's more efficient, it's more convenient, right? All those things, which is great. There's still some that are a little bit more traditional, old school, if you will, And so one of the things that we've personally done, and you can do whatever you like, but I'm just throwing this out there, is especially after we got married, some things were moving around, we made some changes on some stuff. So we actually have a binder that we, every time there's a change made, we print out, I print something out and I put it in a little, you know, three hole punch laminated, excuse me, not laminated. (laughs) Believe it or not, we laminated fucking squares for the Super Bowl. And that was kind of cool. People think I'm crazy. But one of those like plastic sleeves, right? You just slip the papers in there. It's already three-hole punched and it goes into the binder. And that way there, if there's a question about an account, did we do this? Did we change that? Did we update that? We always have one place we can go to. If we can't access it online, at least we know we have a hard copy of it. We're not having to make a phone call. We're not having to ask them to send us something through their correspondence department that lists everything out. We have it at the time that it was done. And it's part of that binder. So it's just a convenience point. And again, I'm a little old school, I guess, because I like to have things on paper. So you may or may not, totally up to you, but that's something to think about. And then the last thing that I want to mention here on today's episode, and I've mentioned this on a couple of other shows, but it's very important and I think it's worth mentioning here. I won't go down the complete rabbit hole, but if you have... These are accounts that, and quite frankly, I was one of these people that initially forgot. I've been using one for years, but initially I forgot to list beneficiaries on this account, as embarrassing as that is to say. And that is an HSA, one of my favorite, if not my favorite account, health savings account, right? And with an HSA, you can list beneficiaries on there. Again, if you're doing it through work and they're doing it through payroll deduction and everything is kind of set up sort of a benefit time, maybe you don't think about it. Maybe they don't prompt you to elect beneficiaries or designate beneficiaries on that account. So that's something that you want to check. And again, that goes back to making a list of all your financial assets and double checking this. The reason I bring up the HSA is you want to make sure, let's say you're married and you choose to leave it to your spouse as your beneficiary, primary beneficiary, 100%. Okay, great. If something happens to you, it will pass to your spouse And it's as though it's their HSA, right? All the tax-free growth, if it's used for qualified medical expenses, everything comes out tax-free, the whole nine yards, that's all fine. But in the event you have either a contingent beneficiary or maybe you're not married, you leave it to somebody that's not a spouse, it can be kind of a tax time bomb in a way because the entire account is fully taxable in the year that it is inherited by that individual. So maybe, let's say you're married and you have one adult child, for example, and you put your spouse as primary, and you put your adult child as contingent. Again, if your spouse inherits, very favorable rules. If you guys are in an accident together and your adult child inherits, again, I'm sure they're going to be appreciative to have the funds, but depending on their situation, their tax situation, where they are in their life, their career, their income, all those sorts of things, it could sting a little bit. Because again, you hear people in the FIRE community, the Financial Independence Retire Early community, 
all the time talking about save all your receipts and never take any money out of your HSA and cash flow all your expenses and yada, yada, yada. And you can use it as an additional retirement account down the road. And a lot of those things are true. But what happens if you and your spouse get hit by a bus? You never got to enjoy the funds and all that tax-free growth and and everything that you thought was going to come along with that actually really never came to fruition because now your non-spousal beneficiary that inherits the thing, it's fully taxable to them in the year that they get it. Again, better than not having anything, I guess, but from a planning perspective, not the most efficient. So again, HSA, great asset, awesome account, but I am a strong believer, and I said I wouldn't go down the rabbit hole, so I'm going to stop after this, strong believer in using the HSA to reimburse yourself for qualified medical expenses at the time that they are incurred and not delay, 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 defer, 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 okay? So we've talked about a few different types of accounts today. Again, retirement accounts. Some similar things there as far as spousal versus non-spousal. Generally speaking, spousal is going to have way more options and more flexibility. Bank and credit union accounts, really not that big of a deal there, but there's some nuance to different institutions and how they structure things. So just make sure you have things listed the way that you want them. And an HSA, just worth giving a second thought to who you have listed as beneficiaries there because the treatment for non-spousal is really not great. So that's all I have today. Again, action item number one, list of financial accounts. Action item number two, whether or not you have a beneficiary named, hang on to that list. You'll need it later in one of the other upcoming episodes. And that's all I have for you guys today. So we will see you in the next episode. Check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys.